Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Good morning, Power Chapel. Amen. That's, there we go. There we go. All right, so we've got a couple announcements here uh, this morning, then we'll uh, open up the Word of God. First announcement, save the date for, for the Fall Festival. It's October 29th uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. There are sign-up sheets in the back for the trunk of treat um, and also basket donation is located in the back, so we ask that you please sign up. Um, another announcement, uh, lift uh, actually will not be today, well, it will, be, will not be tonight at 5 p.m. Um, please keep in prayer, uh, Jerry Short um, and, and Miss Patty, um, just pray for them. Uh, but right now, uh, this, this tonight, there's no lift tonight. So let's begin, begin again next, next, next month. All right, uh, the fourth quarter church calendar is available in the back, so pick it up on your way out. Um, and please also prepare your hearts for the Lord's Supper, which is next Sunday. The Lord's Supper is next Sunday. Um, and then the business meeting for the month of October has been moved to October 12th. Amen? Business meeting for October has been moved to, to October 12th. And I want to give a, a special shout-out to uh, my realtor, Victor Moore and his, and his wife. They actually came in to, to, to hear me preach this morning, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming out. All right, so um, Brother, Brother Jared uh, actually read the scripture today. It's coming from James 5, chapter uh, verses 13 through 16a. Um, and can you please buy his for a word of prayer as we dive into the lesson this morning. Father God, we're coming now just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for providing for us, for keeping us, for sustaining us, for holding us, Lord. Lord, we ask that you go with me right now as I present your word, Lord. Move me, move me out of the way, but increase your spirit in me so that I could present your word to your people, Lord. Go with your people and give them a listening ear so they can hear from you and encourage them and lift them up. Put your hedge of protection around them, Lord. Uh, people are hurting right now in the congregation and in the community, Lord. Lord, we ask that you... Go with them and guide each and one of them. Bless them and lift them up. Forgive us all for our sins, Lord, because we sometimes walk away from you, but you're always willing to let us back in. Lord, we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're coming from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, and the title of the sermon this morning is called Dealing with Spiritual Weakness. Dealing with spiritual weakness. Now, 
as we conclude the book of James, we are presented with a text that deals with spiritual weakness. The Jewish believers uh, James is pinning to is suffering from persecution and harsh treatment. They were forced to flee from persecution in Palestine, to Palestine, and James has addressed them in chapter 1 as the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad. James began this letter by telling them to patiently endure trials and tribulations. Now it's chapter 5, and James is still talking about the same trials and tribulations. So it's not surprising that he would take some time to address some spiritual endurance, to address spiritual endurance. So how do you respond when you are spiritually weak? Who do you call when things get tough? And it seems like there's no remedy to your situation. Maybe you want to throw in the towel or just give in to that guilty pleasure that will do more harm than good. It's easy to turn to everything but God. Anything and everything but God. It's easy to do those things, but we should be truly turning to God. So how do you change your course and rely solely on God? This morning, we'll discuss three points and we'll, that will teach us how to respond when we are spiritually weak. The first point I want to give you is called remedy. The remedy. As I read verses 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. You see, the first part of verse 13 tells us that we ought to pray when we're suffering. Amen? The recipients of James' of James' letter are now facing persecution, and they need some help. They need some encouragement. And James offers help by stating the obvious. When they are struggling, they must pray. When they are suffering, they must pray. You see, suffering is commonly associated with a physical illness, a physical ailment. But in this particular case, suffering is being, is, is, you know, they're suffering from the persecution from following their faith. Can you imagine suffering persecution just because you're a Christian? Every day you go to work, there's persecution facing you. There's a joke, and you're the subject of that joke. And then you go to your supervisor, and then your supervisor begins to treat you unfairly just because you're a Christian. You see, everyone's situation is different, but everyone's definition of suffering is also different. Let me give you a quick example. You see, my kid's definition of suffering and my wife and I's definition of suffering is slightly different. Just the other day, just the other day, our internet went out. The Wi-Fi went out. Now you're talking about some suffering, not for me and my wife, but for my kids. So what turned into suffering for my kids immediately turned into suffering for me and my wife. Now I had to go to work, so my suffering was short-lived, but my wife. You see, in times of trouble, we need to remember that God is the ultimate source of comfort. God is our ultimate source of comfort. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all your cares on him. Why do we cast all the cares on, on him? Because he cares for you. And that he cares is God. God cares for all of your anxieties, all of your cares, all of your pain, all of your suffering. He cares for it all. Not just some, but all. 
You see, the present tense of the verb can be used to translate as he must pray, which, which suggests a continuous prayer, a continuous pleading with God in prayer. It's basically saying that we must continue to pray. Not when an hour or two pass by and we get fatigued. No, we must continue to pray. Even when God answers that prayer, we must continue to pray. Amen? Now, when life throws us twists and turns, we must pray continuously. Even when we get weak and weary, consumed by all of our afflictions, we still must pray. Because we must remember that God should be the first person we call in a time of need. You see, one verse of an old hymn that I grew up listening to, what a friend we have in Jesus, it states, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. And then it goes on to say, have we trials and tribulations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Imagine that, taking everything that we have, all of our cares and concerns, and taking it over to the Lord in prayer. Those who manage to maintain a cheerful attitude in the midst of suffering, we should offer praise or song, songs of praise. Again, like I stated, after your affliction, when God answers that prayer, now it's time to offer a prayer or a praise, a songs of praise. And that's the second part of verse 13. You see, it tells us that we should sing praises if we are cheerful. The thing that I was wrestling with is, is that James' position here are contrasting objects. He's talking about two contrasting objects in verse 13. At first, he's talking about suffering, and then now he's talking about being cheerful. Suffering and cheerful, that's two different opposite ends of the book. The Greek verb used for cheerful is translated as to be merry, to be merry. The verb describes those well in spirit or having a joyful attitude. How can somebody be merry and cheerful in the time of persecution and pain? This kind of attitude can only come from God. Only God can give you that peace that passes all understanding of prayer. But both are essential for spiritual growth, for those growing through persecution. I said growing through persecution, not going, go growing through persecution because God is doing that to build us, to strengthen us. So when the tough times come, we have something to hold on to. Now let's look at the next point. After we have the remedy, which is prayer, then we're going to see a relationship built. There's a relationship built in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders, call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him in the name of the Lord, anointing him in the name of the Lord. You see, the word sick in the text is referring to spiritual weakness due to immense suffering. There will be times when we'll have spiritual weakness and when we need our fellow believers to come in and assist us in our moments of weakness. If we could all be honest, we've all been there, a spiritual weakness where we weary and worn down and, and beat up, and we just need somebody to come beside us and help lift us up. The weak can be described as those that are worn down, spiritually battles of life that are constantly banging against you. 
those have that lost the motivation to pray, thinking about that their change will never come. Their situation will always be there, and they will have to deal with it for the rest of their life. Do you know anyone like that that's struggling and, 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 and needs some assistance, but stuck where they are in the, in the, in the pain of their spiritual weakness? Now, that, that person may be you. We as believers need to come in and intercede with those believers just like Jesus intercedes for us. You see, in Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to, for, for what we ought. But the, Spirit helps, helps, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning, groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in, in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit will intercede for you, and we ought to intercede as well and pray for our brother and sister. We shouldn't always pray just for ourselves, but maybe for the person that's sitting next to you this morning, or for the person sitting in traffic with you um, tomorrow morning. You see, I want to give you a quick illustration of how interceding works. My son, Nathan. He's nine years old, be 10 next month. But my son, Nathan, he's a, he's a bit of a troublemaker at times. He has a lot of energy. He's the only boy. He's a bookend. He's right there in the middle child between two girls, so pray for him. <laughs> but he struggles at times with, with being a troublemaker, right? So I have to, as a father, I have to discipline him. I have to discipline him. So sometimes um, my, my wife, Ebony, has compassion for him. And the discipline in her eyes, is too much for the punishment, for the, the thing that she did, for the or the thing that he did wrong. So sometimes she'll step in and say, you know what? I, I know we said we should discipline him. She get, should get a spanking, but let's not spank him this time. I'll take the blame for what he did. That's mom interceding on Nathan's behalf. And she uses the example, just look at his face. Look at his face. He doesn't deserve the punishment uh, for, the, for the crime that he did. Just look at his face. So God sees us and knows what we've done, but he provides grace and mercy to us and just looks at our face, but he sees Jesus standing in the interceding, praying for us, proceed, pr pr working out everything, looking at the Lord and say, put that on my tab. Look what I've done on the cross for this individual. You see, this verse says that elders of the church, meaning the ones that are spiritually strong and mature, those are the ones that you should bring them to and pray and lift them up. You see, the word call here is, means to call alongside. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. In the spirit of gentleness, not of the spirit of of, of gossip or, or the spirit of looking down at them, but in the spirit of gentleness, because we have all fallen short of the grace and the, and, and the requirements of God. You see, the anointing of oil was used back then for a medicinal purpose. And the Jewish believers dealt with harsh punishment and was often beaten for their faith. They didn't have goody powder to kind of ease the pain. They didn't have that Tennessee whiskey to kind of cope with their struggles. You see, no pain management doctors 
could describe pain medicine for them. The best medicine that they had was for the believers to rub oil on their wounds and to rub oil into their sore muscles. You see, this type of response requires a strong, godly relationship between fellow believers. And see, this type of relationship built a community, and that community can restore. That community can restore. Just like this church can restore our community. Outside of these four walls, this church, even though it's small in nature, supposedly, this church can do great things outside of this wall if we just come together and pray together and we can restore our community. So that brings me to my final point. The final point in verse 15 and 16 is restoration. Restoration. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, the blessed result of elders' intercessions in prayer offered in faith will restore the one that is weak. Ultimately, the one that was spiritually weak is now restored. The elders did not heal the believer. It wasn't the elders, per se, the person touching it, but it was the power of God channeled through prayers that raised that weakened believer. If one of the spiritually weak believers has committed sin, they will be forgiven. You see, verse 16 says that we should confess our sins one to another. This turns the believers that are spiritually weak, but towards the congregation in general. You see, we, we should be ought to, we ought to be able to confess our sins one to, to another, not to gossip about them to one, did you hear what he did or did you hear what she did? Oh, I wouldn't do that. No, but we should pray for them so that they can be healed and so that we can be healed. You see, there could be some here dealing with unforgiveness, unforgiveness that's lingering in this church this morning. It could be someone or something that your parent did to you. It could be a spouse or even an ex-spouse, something that that forgiveness that, that you can't let go. Or even it could be something that happened in church, either at this church or maybe at a former church, unforgiveness can hinder you and cause all kinds of health problems. High blood pressure, stress, there's a lot of different health problems that just unforgiveness can can have on you. God wants you restored and in the right relationship with him. And with the ones that have done you wrong, that ones that have wronged you, even if they don't ask for forgiveness, God can still give you peace and allow you to forgive them even though they didn't ask for for forgiveness. And that's something that only God can do because God have wronged, people have wronged us at times. And sometimes that that wrong has been so great, but God is able to provide you that peace and to allow you to forgive them for the wrong that they've done, even though they haven't asked for forgiveness. But what does that restoration look like? Well, let me give you a practical, earthly example of what restoration looks like. You see, when I first arrived at Powell's Chapel, everyone was really nice and they was really kind to me. But one fellow that really stuck out was Mr. Ronald. 
and I'm so glad he's here this morning. So I got so I could give him a shout out. And it was Mr. Ronald and his beautiful red truck. You all know about that red truck. Now he's told me stories about how he's restored his beautiful red truck and how he spent so much time working on that beautiful red truck. It, it started out one way, but but now if you look at it, it's so beautiful. That beautiful red truck. One that he took his time and he 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 spent long hours and 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 probably some had some sweat, some blood, some tears, all in that red truck. Now he couldn't do it by himself. He even had help to fix the inside and, and some of the motor. And God wants to build you up. You might have been a wretch undone just a few years ago, but look where God has done for you. Look where God has brought you from. God wants to restore you. If you're broken, if you're weak, if you're heavy laden, God wants to restore you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to put his arms of protection around you. And you say, well, I can't see God. I can't feel God. But you have the church. And we are here to hug you, to lift you up, to pray for you, not to gossip about you, but to pray for you, not to talk down about you, but to pray for you and lift you up in the time of trouble. Allow God to enter your life and restore you back to the mode that he originally tended, attended for you, intended for you to be. God wants to keep you. God wants to restore you. He wants to build time. It's going to take some blood, sweat, and tears, but he's in there. He's fully committed to building you up just the way he wants you to be. And I guarantee you that's the best mode. That's the best person that you could be is who God intended for you to be. Let us pray.